everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to the Rodcast today. Uh, Lewis here. Just a quick announcement. We got two special episodes coming your way. Uh, this was originally filmed with the intent to be used in-house here at Lifehouse. It's an interview with Pastor Rod about our preaching and teaching style, how, to, how we prepare, how we preach messages. Um, so it was originally filmed to be used just in Lifehouse, but we decided it could be good content for the Rodcast as well. So we're sending it your ways, um, but just be aware uh, this was originally filmed with the concept of using it in-house. So it's very specific to Lifehouse and our style. Uh, we're definitely not saying this is the only way to preach. Uh, there's many great different styles and ways of teaching and preaching, but this is the way that we love doing it here at Lifehouse. Um, so I hope it's a blessing to you. And also very exciting, we've got a brand new series coming your way very soon. So make sure if you haven't already, wherever you're listening, subscribe. Don't miss a beat. And I hope this episode is a blessing to you. We'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine from Lifehouse Tokyo. And joining me is our senior pastor, Rod. And we are so excited because we're going to put together a resource for Lifehouse, for our, those who are teaching and preaching across our Lifehouse movement. And our hope is that this will be a tool that we can use to grow in our gifts, as well as to equip and train others in our teams. So what you can expect um, is we're going to divide this into two segments. And the first segment will be doing a Q&A style with Pastor Rod. I have some questions which I hope will be helpful and that you've asked too. And the second segment will be Pastor Rod running us through a practical example of how he prepares for his messages. So it's really right. exciting. Pastor mm. Rod, you are a really great Bible teacher and you've been preaching and teaching for how many years now? Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's a very nice introduction. <laughs> um, I've been a believer for uh, 42 years and I had my first chance to to even preach in the first year in um, in the Philippines, believe it or not. So it's been a long journey. That's yeah. great. And so what is the purpose of preaching and teaching? Well, there are there are two different words and I, I guess we confuse them a lot and interchange them a lot. But I think that um, preaching is basically the, the proclamation or the declaration of Christ, the good news, the the gospel of the kingdom, God is a healing God, God is a loving God, God is a blessing God. It's the, the proclamation of truth, which must be in teaching. It must, that's why they're sort of connected. Um, but some people are much better on that side, the proclamation and the, when they speak, there's faith lifts and inspiration lifts and receptivity lifts. And so it's a real gift, the gift of preaching. But the gift of teaching is taking what I call complex truths and making them easier. For people to understand and that is my gift it is a teacher so i i love the concept that okay there's some difficult things here or some hard to understand things here but actually let's do a little bit of thinking and organizing and um putting things in little boxes um now little boxes doesn't mean boring but it's like subsets subgroups of truth and and then sharing that with the the goal of teaching is people have the Aha moment, the aha, aha, I get that part, I get that part. And so they're able to put more complex truths together in the future. So teaching is very extensive. Um, preaching is much more um, faith-filled, uh, anointed, inspirational declaration of God's truths. That's great. That's really helpful to see the, the difference between the two or the purpose of the, mm. of the two. 
And so many of us have seen messages from around the world and noticed that different uh, churches or pastors have different styles and their own kind of church culture. But what is our lifehouse style and our values for our messages? And why have we chosen to do it this way? That's a great, a great question. And we, we love all churches and all styles. And, and, and the local church has that beauty in that churches can have different styles. Our style is very much around taking people who have no knowledge of Christ right through to salvation and then through to leadership, which is a very broad brush. It's very, very large, and actually it's quite difficult to think we've got to speak to the, all of those groups at once. Um, some cultures in the world have much more of a, of a Christian background, and so they don't have to fill in a lot of gaps, but we do. And so our task is to think the the audience is very vast. How can we take God's wonderful truths to this very vast audience? And my answer to that is twofold. One is to get a God word. What is God saying? Uh, it should be simple. It should be understandable and applicable at the end. And and secondly, um, not just a God word, but a story that people live in uh, the world of, of movies and, and books and, and stories and we feel the transmission of this truth, uh, whether it's preaching or teaching, is done better through storytelling. So we talk about what is, what is God's story here and what is my story here. God's story is a Bible, Bible story. It could be a Jesus story. Um, Daniel and the lion's dead from the Old Testament or uh, Moses and the burning bush. Or pl plenty of Old Testament examples that must relate to, then to Jesus. So that's our style is to be... Um, narrative to be obviously to be interesting it's got to, we've got to keep people's attention um but i think story does that so so well so th that's a real brief summary we could break into that but um you know when we came to japan we knew we were not doing well when we were preaching and people fell asleep in the service we we we, we weren't uh totally without a brain and i think that this is not good <laughs> so some, some very large part of preaching and teaching is interest, is anointing, is, is magnetism, is attractiveness. Um, that is that we can then bring the good news to people who are, who are actually awake in every way. So I think that um, the God word, the anointing and the storytelling, telling the story of Jesus or some part of, of the Bible with application is our, is our overall style. Great. And I'm sure like when we do a practical example, you will, you will go into that a bit more. I know you often encourage us things like, you know, don't try and think of like a really complicated, clever title or try and go along with the latest trends or, you know, feel like you need to have like 20 points mm. that have rhyming words. And so you often encourage us just, which always makes me feel like a bit, oh, you know, the pressure's off. So why, why do you say some of those things? Why are those some things um, that can maybe be a little bit distracting for us as we prepare. Well, the, the, the title and mm -hmm. the introduction are incredibly important, but um, my, my point is it doesn't have to be um, new or, mm -hmm. or unique. And, and this was, you know, a few years ago I was speaking in America in a conference about missions, and I had this great title, um, which I thought was really cool. And one of my American pastor friends looked at it and he said, Rod, why don't you you need to tell the people what you're going to say because they have no idea 
from this title what you're going to say and you may not get interest. And, um, and the other thing he said is, and if I don't tell you this, my senior pastor will say to me, why didn't you tell Rod that? And that was a great friend because mm. it just simplified the, the title. It was um, more what I was going to say and people could, could sort of, do I want to be part of that or not? Um, so I, I think there's an old saying like you, you, the title should be telling the people what you're going to say, then, then, then say it and then tell the people why you said it as your conclusion. So there should be this compact that it actually does deliver what we what we the title is like a promise or a a view um and and sometimes if you don't do the what you said in the title people feel um a bit disappointed in 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 the i think they call it um click and uh, bait and click or click and bait i'm sorry i'm not really up with that (laughs) big bait is it like Mm. talk about that but but uh, advertise that but talk about that Mm. i I don't want to do that i think that um, you know, Jesus is very clear in a lot of lot of his uh, teaching that we can just say it. And um, but the title might be to do with an application. Um, you know, it could be to do with something on forgiveness, or and we could. I did one message that was called "Don't Touch the Monkey," which is a personal story of me and Viv of not touching a monkey in Indonesia. But it's about don't touch something that's going to hurt. Um, so the title wasn't really the but it did get interest, but the whole message was about don't touch the monkey with the application. So I'm just saying, whatever the title is, you've got to deliver that. It's somehow, therefore, the title must be on point, but also slightly interesting or or magnet. And, and I think it's also wrapped around the God word because you're excited. You want to share on that. That's what God put in your heart. So that must be in the title somewhere as well but it's not about being trendy and like you said it's not about alliteration with five words starting with a letter p but it could it could it could do that if that's your style um i don't know if i answered the question but yeah that, i think the yeah, title should be great. this is what we're going to talk about and mm. it's going to be really exciting because i'm excited mm. and you know what i think your title worked because i'm i'll, I'll always remember that preach and that's stuck in my head i think it's it, like become a catchphrase. So that's really great. It really worked. It was such a great, great title. So the good news about Jesus is so important. Uh, we want to bring Jesus into everything we do. That's yeah. that's the big thing. So how do we uh, bring Jesus or make big of Jesus in all of our messages? Well, I think no matter what, if it's a Jesus story, of course we've got Jesus as center, sent, you know, right here. Um, if it's another scripture, that is an Old Testament scripture or from the life of Paul or whatever. There's, there's such rich stories. There's always got to be a link back to Jesus somewhere. I'm a, I'm a Jesus preacher, and I don't mean that arrogantly like others aren't, but um, I've just decided this is what my life is. I'm, I'm not here just to educate people or to inform people. I want to see people transformed by the power of Jesus. With that as a background, I'm coming out of the scripture reading through those lens, even in my journal, like my, my personal reading time, if I'm reading through Psalms, um, something about the tongue, I'm thinking God can help me, Jesus can help me. So the lens is always through grace of Jesus, cross of Jesus. If that's the case, it's going to be easy to keep it on, on point and not just be information. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think every every scripture must be about the um 
the centrality of Christ, especially an Old Testament concept, it must have a point linking directly to Jesus. Um, with, without that, I think it's an incomplete message for us in the New Testament today. Yeah, that's great. It's so helpful. And so we have many Lifehouse campuses across different countries, and um, each of those countries have like a different context, um, different his- history and political backgrounds. So how can we keep that in mind as we are, are sharing our messages, knowing that maybe some of the things we are sharing uh, would be in different yeah. contexts? It, with online, we're able to go, um, yeah. you know, share a global message. What are some things we can keep in mind? Uh, really, really big topic being online. Mm. Um, someone explained it to me like this, like, if, if, our, if our talking about Jesus is here and the other stuff's back here, don't don't do that. Did I do that right with my hand? Don't don't put the issues here and 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 the and the culture here. Keep Jesus here all the time. And so that's again our lens. So if I do want to address something towards marriage or towards something really important, it is still through the lens of Jesus first. What did Jesus say about this? And I know in culture blah 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 this is important really important i don't mean it's not but but here's the jesus teaching and and here's here's the marriage stuff needs to withdraw and i say that because um in some countries people will say after really good bible teaching on marriage or something let's say forgiveness or communication people always come up afterwards and say oh but pastor rod this is and they'll name their country and I'll say, well, hang on, I didn't really bring an Australian view or a Japanese view. I brought a biblical view. And so somehow they've they've flipped this. And I have to say, well, this is what this is what the kingdom says. This is what Jesus says. It's not about your or my culture. It's about Jesus. If we don't do that, contextualization can actually become divisive. And so we're talking about my culture versus yours. I want to talk about biblical culture. Once I've said that. I look at what Jesus taught about. He didn't teach on politics. He, he never touched on politics. In fact, when he was tempted, or, or that's not the wrong word, he, when he was tested to speak about politics, you know, which, whose coin is this and whose inscription is it, that was a political test. And, and, of course, Jesus was so brilliant. He said, well, who's the inscription? Then give honor to that person and then give honor to God. Here it is. Give honor to that person. Give honor to God up here. So Jesus didn't get drawn into politics um, or economics or investments. or These are important things. And I, I'm not saying we don't have a view, but, but here's the Jesus and here's the issues. And I, as a preaching movement, I want it to stay that way. Another one I think I want to talk about is religious words um, in, in religious contexts. Once again, Jesus never criticized other religions other gods, uh, neither did Paul. Uh, they were very clear that they're preaching the good news of Jesus, the healing of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And people say, well, in our culture, and they'll bring up some religious context, but, but Jesus did not criticize or bring disparity to that. He just kept saying, but do you want the, do you want the goodness? Do you, want, do you want the God stuff? So the woman at the well in John 4, where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and offering her living water, and she says, "She says, oh, but but in our but you Jews, you worship in Jerusalem." And Jesus said, "But a time is coming where um, the Father is looking for worshippers in spirit and truth." So Jesus didn't take the bait 
It was a religious test. And it shows me, and Paul did the same with Athens and a whole bunch of places where things were thrown up and, and Paul just kept saying, it's Jesus and him resurrected. So I think our style is so clearly demonstrated by the New Testament. So I want to be a New Testament preacher and teacher. Um, and just on that, there have been times here in Japan where I've done study on something and the Japanese history or Japanese religion or Japanese something, and I've somehow brought it out in a conversation, and people were not interested at all. Um, but when I would say to them, do you know that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life? They go, oh, really? So once again, um, all, all that relig religion, philosophy, history, I love, I love studying that. I'm not saying we don't have an opinion or a, an interest, but in my preaching, this stuff is only ever background, background noise to the Jesus. Does that make sense? So that keeps us away from uh, political views. Um, even at the pandemic right now, health views, we, are, we want people to look at the data, do your own research, but we're not going to preach on that. We're going to preach that um, Jesus, uh, we pray that he would protect you, he will heal you, he will give you wisdom. That's our message right now. Oh, that's so great. So, Pastor Rod, we, because we have churches in multiple lo uh, locations and we have translators, um, and you've worked with many translators, and I think you are really good at helping to uh, find the right kinds of translators and coach translators. If you learn, you've learned some things about uh, how important translation is and working yeah. with a translator as a preacher. What are some helpful things that you can share with us? Um, the translator has to serve the speaker but speak as though they're speaking firsthand. That's, that's my number one. So if, someone's, if I'm speaking and someone's doing well, but they're always looking at me, uh, I say to them, no, no, you've got to give the people firsthand word. When you're looking at me and the people realize they're getting secondhand word, they're getting through the translator. But if the translator can, can, can mesh with me and speak, I say, well, speak with the authority in your language. And I think this is why we've done so well with Lifehouse Churches is we've trained up the interpreters to be the preachers. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's been an incredible side effect of, of this concept uh, because I've seen many translators translate and it's very um, mechanical. It's hard. It's hard for 30 minutes. It's hard for 10 minutes. But when, when there's a meshing, there is a dramatic combining. Um, it's actually an art form. And, and so I say to people who first see it, um, just come and have a look. Just you, You're going to like it because people might have seen translation and said, oh, that's really, you know, like hard work. I said, no, come and see our dramatic presentation because it's a new art form that um, I believe Jesus probably did use it at times. Um, it, it doesn't really say that, but um, he was so good at culture. He would have just grabbed someone who was a good communicator Say, hey, come and help me with this parable. I'm sure that did happen. Um, so, so it's, it's organic, it's, it's dramatic, it's fun, it's, and it goes into their language in a heart, a heart way, not a head way. So there's going to be some changing of idioms and changing of some words even, not, not the meaning, but the, you now if I say talk about something about, you know, chopsticks, then they're going to use the word, in their in their um, 
It might be a funny word. In fact, sometimes that happens. They use a word and it, somehow it's funny. And I said, what happened? You know, like just then right there, what happened? And they, we, we laugh and everyone laughs and we move on. So we use this issue of translation as an interest point. Sometimes when people are listening, they might be falling asleep a little bit or losing interest. When you do that, play with language. There's always a, a wake up. It's a wake up call, people. So again, our translation is never a negative to me. It's always a, we're going to build into that. People are going to love it. It's going to be fun, dramatic, and we're training preachers in those languages. That's great. And um, I, I remember even hearing some conversations that you've had with people about even the choice of words. Like you, you, you would speak with translators and you, you're, you're saying, we want to convey this message by using yeah. this word. So do you have a, a word in your language that's, that you know encapsulates this because this direct translation maybe doesn't uh, you yeah. know uh, that's not our heart that's not what we feel we want to say so maybe you can share a little around that because I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. there are some some words in, in in every culture that needs discussion. One of them is the word sin. The reason why that's important is the Greek word, the, the New Testament word, and the Hebrew word both means missing the mark or a tragic flaw, a tragic mistake. Um, in, in both Hebrew and in Greek, knowing that I will talk to them about what is the word sin in your culture. Because in Japan, the word sin is actually the word crime. <laughs> it is the same word. It, it is, tsumi is the word. It is the word crime. So when we read a scripture, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which is Romans 3.23. It is translated in the Japanese Bible as tsumi, all have committed crime. Now, that's a very confusing translation for the Japanese who say, I've never committed a crime. So when we talk, we're not going to move away from the word tsumi, but I say to the translators, as soon as you say that word, give an explanation. So, you know, all have tsumi, which means everybody's made mistakes in the eyes of God and we've fallen short of God's glory. Now, they may not say all of that, but wherever that word comes up, we need to clearly communicate not miscommunicate. Other words here in Japan is the Holy Spirit, and actually the same as in Thailand and many other cultures, is people are scared of the word spirit because it's a spiritual culture. So we must explain Holy Spirit means the, the heart and presence of God on the earth. Again, a big phrase, but somehow we must get across to people um, we're not talking about spirits, spirits in the air. We're talking about this wonderful spirit of god involved in creation and, and regeneration etc now can't say all of that but we must give little caveats or little explanations in fact sometimes in your new testament there will be a footnote there will be a little footnote there a little a or a b and you go to the bottom and it says this word means this so even in bible translations, sometimes they're trying to explain a difficult translation so i've just given two sin and Holy Spirit, and probably the last one I'll give is repent, which again, the Greek means to change the mind. It doesn't mean to feel sad or wail or cry or spend a long time trying to get right. It, it just means change the mind, metanoia, very simple. And so we'd have that discussion, what does repent mean in your culture? And most cultures will have something in the wording, including Japanese, to do with incredible lamenting or incredible sadness and sorrow um so we need to explain the word repent 
that's three examples. So knowing those three examples, I would probably go to India or Indonesia or um, even Australia and say, what do these words mean? And they will tell me in their culture or in their Bible translation. And so this area of looking at words sounds, oh, no, I might make a mistake. On the contrary, I think we're discovering and loving culture and loving people. I think it's a mark of cross-cultural communication to like this, uh, to like reading the Bible in its context. So I find this um, a happy place that we can actually help pastors and, and leaders understand this area. Thank you. Thanks. That's great. So we all have different strengths <coughs> and gifts. And uh, when it comes to preaching, it can be kind of, it's great to learn from other people, but we don't want to compare ourselves because, you know, God has made us unique. Yeah. So how can we discover and use our strengths? What are some yeah. things that you like to coach people with? I, I think when we're getting people to, to start teaching and preaching, it's good to give um, the warning that we're going to give feedback. And the feedback will never be outright critical. The mm-hmm. feedback will be, correcting or um that's probably the wrong word will be their best how, how do you how do we get the best i sort of see it like a soccer coach who says to the players you're doing good but i can help you to play your best game yeah it's, it's just so wonderful that we're all different i think it's god's grace and i think the team needs to help each other to bring out the best with soccer coaches uh i, I love good coaches because they the players always say they brought the best out in me. They understood me. And I think preaching, if we can help people, this is your strength. This is the area to work on. But we have to warn people first. If you don't warn people that you're going to bring feedback, they will get rejected. They'll think, you know, I did really well. And then they said what, you know, something. And, and, and it's like really a sensitive moment. It's like an artist and someone says, why did you do that? And it's like, oh, the preaching is, is an art and we all want to do well. So we need to have a trust system that the people involved are for us and they want to help us. So I would say to people things like, you have a natural style in this area. You're doing really well. Your, your connection with the people is great. This was good. However, can we talk about the story, the storytelling? So there's one aspect where we can help people. Um, I remember one of our preachers, he one of our best preachers, told this amazing, funny story about him and his wife. And he came to the end of the story and there was no point. And, <laughs> and I said to him after, you, you had my attention. I, you've got a gift. But it just takes you a little bit of time to think through why you're telling the story. <laughs> um, and he went, oh, you know, thank you. And, and he's just a great preacher. So as long as people know we're for them and we want them to do well, we can move to that area. Um, you know, I talk to people about the, the length of their introduction or um, too, too, many, too many scriptures, which sounds strange in preaching, but I want people to eat the scripture. I want people to tell me why they love the scripture, not just 10 scriptures, but dig in, eat. Um, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible, talks about this a lot. He talks about giving the word to the people so they're actually um, munching and eating and thinking and and processing and loving that scripture because then it becomes part of our life. So not too much information and not too much stuff, 
we've got to dig into the what did God really want to say in this scripture and ha- and what's the takeaway for our life. So mm-hmm. I think there's some things in in preaching that are a little bit different in teaching, by the way, um, those two two modes. So if I'm preaching or I'm teaching, it will look different. And I have to tell people what the difference is. Um, I might say that was just too much teaching. It was, it was like five points and it's hard for people uh, in a Sunday message to, to to digest five points. So it might, it, it might be okay. So there's a lot of context here, but, but if we've got a team that loves us, is for us, um, and helps us, it's going to save us years of struggle. And this is the point of feedback. Um, good feedback will save hours and actually years of struggle. I really wish I had this when I was young. I had no one to really help me, and it took me a lot of years to discover my style, discover where I'm good and maybe not so good, and there's some areas I'm not so good, so maybe avoid some things. Um, and and if you have a mentor and a coach, if, if we're secure enough to receive good feedback, we're going to grow pretty fast. And I think that's the culture we want to to create. But, and also in connect groups, like that's that's with me, we say 10 people or five people. It's a different communication. Um, how do we do that better? We do a lot of teaching on that too. Mm, that's really great. And I, I always love this piece of advice you give to, to uh, those who've been uh, sharing a message. You say, what, what happens if it didn't go well? What do you do <laughs> if your message didn't go well? Um, well, you've got to own it um, and then reflect on it. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do well. Yep. I, and, and usually you know. Sometimes it's overthinking. And some other people will say, no, no, uh, I think that was good. But that's why it's good to have a good husband or wife or friend to ask, how did I go? Not to be praised necessarily, or we like praise, but to be um, a feedback loop. So the one thing that Viv would say to me through the years, and she didn't say much, but the one thing she said was if I repeated myself too many times, she would just pick up on that and say, we, we got it. Like you kept repeating, and so I have to keep moving the information or moving the the message along better. However, sometimes there needs repetition for the main point too. So it's all a balance. But yeah, I, I just think we yeah, um, if you have someone there with you who loves you, who helps you, and you can take it. So self reflection and a friend. And I think after that, um, if you can cope with it, look look at your video or look listen to your podcast. And you're going to be going, oh, no, the whole time. I, I guarantee it. Um, we are our worst critics. So we just need a balance on that. But that's especially for bad um, habits. For example, some people look at one, if, if it's a live audience, they look at one point in the audience. And they don't know that until they see it on the video. And they go, why don't I like give more of a spread? So looking at yourself. Um, especially things like look, voice, um, eyes. I, I just think the reason we're doing this is to, to communicate. It's not to be celebrities, but I want to be a good communicator and I want people to receive the communication with God's love and anointing. So if I've got an annoying habit, someone needs to tell me. Someone some, someone who, please, who loves me, please tell me. Um, I remember when... Um, American Idol first came out all in, in the year 2000s and 
Um, the judges were very harsh with, with some people, and one judge would always say, why did you come on tonight? Don't you have a friend? You're terrible. <laughs> and, um, of course, that's good TV, but it's very embarrassing. And I just think sometimes we need a friend um, to say, um, you, as we've said occasionally, you, 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 um, you kept repeating yourself or that was too long or that whatever. I, I, but Viv doesn't do that very often. So it's not like she's a critic. She is a fan and um, a fan who helps me. Um, so I just think we have to self, self and then have a friend and then maybe look at the video or listen to the podcast, listen to. So a, a heart to improve is very mm -hmm. important. Yeah, that's great. And just our final question then for this segment is how can we develop our gift? If we um, have a gift of teaching or preaching, what are some ways that we can do that? I think we start with small groups. Um, you know, a lot of people want this, the, big, the big thing up front and, and life doesn't, doesn't work that way. Even, even soccer stars started somewhere in a little back, backyard game. And I think that we need to have a backyard game not that that's bad, but a few people, um, training a few people. So when we get a chance to run a connect group or run a dream team or be in the kids' church, um, that is a great way, by the way, kids' church. Um, there's an old saying, I just divert, that if you're a good communicator with kids, you automatically will be a good communicator with adults. If you're a good communicator with adults, it does not mean you're going to be a great communicator with kids. So the kids is the universal one. If I can actually be with kids and love kids and, and tell them a story and did you get that kids and keep their interest, of course I love them. I'm not just practicing on them. Um, I might be a kid's teacher forever. Um, I'd probably like that actually. Um, but it, it's, it's not a stepping stone, but it is actually part of the process. There's a difference. A stepping stone is where I don't really care about these kids. I want to be the preacher. No. But if I care for the kids, then I can train others and I can, I can do something else. So I think we need to start small and we need to start the, the feedback loop early. So when I first did my first connect group, it was pretty wild actually. I had some pretty wild people in there back in the early 80s in, in Sydney. And um, I had to get other people to help me, but I needed some feedback. I needed some help about some people that weren't doing very well. And um, I, I, I collected my team early and I learned very, very fast. And I also watched other connect group leaders, which is something I haven't mentioned, but watching really good communicators that you like and you like the style, I want to be like that, uh, will help us as well. Um, so start early, start quickly. Um, you've got the gift on your life. Probably many of you have that gift. Um, the biggest problem was going to be things like, like um, self-confidence, um, get a little team and help, say, help me, I want to grow, I want to learn, uh, be involved in a dream team at church, socialize, learn to be with people. Um, this helps us in every part of our job life. And then if we are going to be a preacher teacher, it's going to help us in those gifts as well. Thank you. That was so amazing. And we're looking forward to the next segment where you're going to take us through how you prepare for a message. I know that it's going to be helpful and encouraging to many people. Thank you, Pastor Rod, for your time. Oh, thank you, Catherine. It's great to work with you and Adrian. Always wonderful. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this and we'll see you next time.